The story that I've got this morning is the story of Bartimaeus. And there was a sense of desperation. At that moment he heard Jesus walking past, he cried out, and everything in that moment changed for him. So let's read Mark chapter 10 from verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So Jericho is about 24 kilometers from Jerusalem. And this was during the time of the Passover. Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem where we now know that he was going to be crucified and he was on his way and he was passing through Jericho. So it was the time of the Passover and there was a requirement that every male over the age of 12 who lived in a 25-kilometer radius of Jerusalem needed to make that pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem. But it wasn't likely that every single male in the 25-kilometer radius could do this. So what they did was they lined the streets and waved and cheered the pilgrims on as they were passing. And this is what happened in Jericho. A crowd had lined. There were a whole lot of pilgrims, and Jesus was a part of that. But Bartimaeus was sitting there. He's the blind beggar, and he's sitting there, and he he hears people probably mentioning the name of Jesus, and he says, hey, is that, is that Jesus? Is that the Jesus? And he, as, he, as he hears Jesus passing by, obviously with the disciples, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And immediately some of the crowd see his performance, see him raising his voice. This is unusual because rather than the, the vague cheering, yeah, 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 clap, 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 you know, we're cheering you guys on. This guy is shouting out in a loud voice and they rebuked him. That's what the scripture says. They rebuked him. They told him to be quiet, you know, shush. And he just cries out even more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops, turns, and calls him. He throws off his cloak, and I'll speak about that, jumps up, leaps up, and runs towards Jesus. He's a blind guy. And Jesus asks him, what do you want? Really? Pretty obvious what you want. But the purpose of Jesus saying, what do you want, is very real. He says, I want to see. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. It's incredible. I love this story. 
I just absolutely love it. So I want to just highlight a number of things. First of all, his, his plight was terrible, okay? Blindness in the Middle East was evident in a number of different areas because the, the brightness of the sun, uh, you know, caused uh, people to go blind. And hygiene in those days wasn't that great. I mean, especially blind people who just had matter-encrusted uh, eyelashes, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't great. But, but this story, I, I wonder when Jesus, in John chapter 8 and verse 12, when Jesus speaks uh, uh, these words, I wonder if he was talking about Bartimaeus. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will see the light of life. I wonder if Jesus was talking about referring to Bartimaeus. Anyway, I've got a number of points, and my sermon this morning is Steps Towards Christ. So the first step that I've got here is you need to come aware of your need. What was Bartimaeus? He was a blind beggar. You know what? We're all blind beggars. We're blind spiritually when we come to Christ. I mean, there's not that spiritual awareness. That is as a, res as a result of the revelation that God gives to us by His Spirit in Christ, the revelation. We're, we're all a charity case, and we're all beggars. We come as people with our, our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. So we're all blind beggars. And the first requirement is that we have to recognize our need. And, you know, I went to the dentist this past week. You go to the dentist. Okay, it was for a check, and she found that I needed to have a filling. And uh, so, But you, you sometimes go to the dentist, and you've got like, my, my mouth, my tooth is sore. And the dentist knocks, duck, 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 duck. I, need, I need a root canal in that, that tooth over there. And I go to the dentist because I have a need. I go to the doctor because I'm sick. I don't, the healthy don't go and visit the doctor. And all of us need to come. When the prodigal son was in his place of desperation, this is a little Jewish boy in a pig's trough. Not a good place to be when you're Jewish. In a pig's trough. Eating pig food. He had a need. And the Bible says he came to his senses. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, we have all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. In actual fact, that is the present continuous sense. We are constantly in the process of falling short of God's glory. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the recognition of our sin, recognition that we are blind, that we are beggars, is the first step in us approaching fellowship with God. So I've got two questions. Listen carefully. First one is, what do you think of your Christian commitment? I'll repeat that. It's the repeat of the first, it's not the second. <laughs> what do you think of your Christian commitment? The second question is, what do you think God thinks of your Christian commitment? 
Very different answers could come out there. Very different. There was a church in the New Testament. They thought they had it together. Got it together. Got our own building. Got a pastor. We got worship going on. We're rich. We're wealthy. It's our own church. We built it. We got it together. It was the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. And in verse 17, this is what Jesus said. You say, I am rich and I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. They thought they had it together. But look at what Jesus says. But I want you to know, but, I, but you do not know, you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. It's a very different impression. I've got it together, Lord. Don't you know? Poor, blind, wretched. We need, we need him. Everything about him in our lives. At the age of 15, I came to Billy Graham, uh, to, to Christ at Billy Graham Crusade. And, you know, at, at 15, you know, at 15, you haven't done too many bad things. But when I came and I said that sinner's prayer on that day, I realized without a shadow of a doubt that I knew that I was a sinner and I disappointed God. The second one is come as you are. Bartimaeus had nothing. He didn't try to improve his condition before he came. He didn't try and reform. He came as he was, as he was, and he didn't have much. You know, and people come to Christ, and maybe they come, uh, and they think, I'm, I must just sort these things out first. No, come as you are. Come even in a failed relationship. Come with heartache. Come with addiction. Come if your business has collapsed. Come if you've lost your job. Come as you are. Some people have it all together. They've got a great marriage. They've got a great job. They've got children. But, but in contrast, they might think there's something missing. And Jesus invites us to come as we are in our blindness and in our poverty, in our sin, in our shame, in our problems, in our perplexity. He is the great Savior, and you are desperately in need of Him. Remember, the church is a hospital for sinners. It's not a hotel for saints. And we come as we are to get sick. Fifteen years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I, I, I didn't try to get myself healthy before I went to hospital. I went to hospital and the doctor, a good surgeon, had to, had to take that stuff out. Come as you are. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Jesus is the one who will change you. Leighton Ford said, God loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And he'll do that. The third aspect is you need to come with a burning desire. You see, Bartimaeus didn't want to miss out on this opportunity that he had. I mean, he was listening and the, he knew that, that Jesus was approaching. He was drawing closer and closer. 
and he started to perform. Cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the guy said, calm down, calm down. If the first voice you hear is calm down, be quiet, it's probably not the voice of God. And he cried out all the more. He wasn't going to. And in just abandonment, vulnerability, openness, weeping, cry, he summoned Jesus. The interesting thing is, Jesus entered the city, not a dignitary, not an official, not a doctor, not a person, nobody approached Jesus like he did. But it took a blind beggar in a place of desperation to call on the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how many times Jesus would have passed by somebody who's proud and arrogant. Got it all together. Walk on by, Jesus. But this was desperation at its best. Isaiah 55 and verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And Bartimaeus cries out and his destiny changes. The fourth one is, you must come directly when he calls. Come directly when he calls. He responded immediately. Jesus was on his way to the cross. And Bartimaeus knew. He knew something. This opportunity is not going to pass my way again. And he cried out. And Jesus said, I want you to come. And he, he threw off his cloak, jumped up, leapt up, and responded to Jesus straight away. The two verses that I've joined together from the book of Hebrews, it says, Be careful to hear his voice today. and Do not let your hearts be set against him, to see to it that you obey him who is speaking to you. In Luke chapter 9, there's an encounter. Jesus has three guys that he talks to, but the one of them, he says to this guy in Luke chapter 9, follow me. And the guy turns around and he says to the Lord Jesus, he says, first, let me go and bury my father. <laughs> and Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The reality of that story is the father wasn't even dead. He wasn't even, he was still in the pink of health. He was still very much alive, very much living. And so what he's saying, first, I, I want to I just be with my family. First, my family. And you remember Jesus has always said one of the great verses is seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you, will fit into their rightful place. And this guy was saying, no, no, Jesus, I'll follow you when I'm good and ready. And that's the interesting thing is that when we feel that inclination, when we feel that that this is the opportunity, then take it. Psychologists tell us that a prompting, a sense, uh, a feeling of something good, you need to do it. Because if it's delayed, it probably will never, ever happen. Victor Kiem said about procrastination. Procrastination is putting things off, delaying them over and over. Is opportunity's great assassin. Don't put things off. Whenever the Lord calls us, whenever He prompts us to do something, He says, do it now, today. 
Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, while it is still called today. The fifth one. The fifth step in coming to Christ is throw off that cloak. This is an interesting one. He had a legitimate disability. And he had that official coat, the beggar's coat. This is the thing that kept him warm. This was his, this was his uniform uh, at, 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 that he had at begging. When people saw that he was begging, okay, he's an official beggar. And we can maybe help him out with something. People wear uniforms. People wear uniforms as firemen, as policemen, as doctors, as nurses. And, but Bartimaeus was recognized as a man who was disadvantaged, you know, so that he could feel sorry for himself, that he could feel depressed, and he could allow himself to wallow in self-pity. You know, the guys that stand at the, at the, at the, at the robots, you know, they've got special, hello, want your attention? I'm hungry, please. And that's what Bartimaeus was probably doing, you know, feeling sorry for himself. Just please give to me. Please give to me. His attitude was one of disadvantage. And the interesting thing is that when Jesus called him, he threw it off. He threw off his disadvantage. Today is going to be a new day. Today I'm going to stop feeling sorry for myself. Today I'm going to release that label of disadvantage. I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm going to be a victor. I'm going to rely on the enormity of God's grace and love. You see, and if we allow ourselves to continue in that bitterness and continue in that disadvantaged state and that resentment, then it will disqualify us and we'll remain stuck in that quagmire of sinking sand. I wonder how many times we pick up that coat and we wear it for ourselves. We've all been hurt and disadvantaged at some point. But are you going to pick up that coat and continue to wear it? We've all, some of us have had a bad childhood. Some of us have had a broken relationship. Our spouse has walked out on us. We've lost a loved one. We've come down with a dreaded illness or disease. And so this gives us the right to be negative and to be sour. I want to say to you this morning, take off that coat and let it be something of the past. It doesn't give you the right to feel sorry for yourselves. We've all been hurt. We've all made mistakes. We've all had disappointments. But get rid of the excuses. I'm all for being compassionate and loving and kind, but allowing people, giving people the right to feel sorry for themselves is, is not a cool thing. Because so often we need to see the beauty and exchange it for the ashes. See the joy and get rid of the tears. Get rid of that coat. Next one. Must respond in faith. Must respond in faith. You see, when Jesus called him, he leapt up. He leapt. 
didn't get up casually, slowly. He leapt up. And that's the thing that we should be doing as well. I mean, he comes to Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want? I mean, I, I said this earlier. I mean, it's a bit of a strange question here. Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the one who's going to be the Savior of the world, the King of Kings, looks at this blind guy coming through the crowd, bumping into people, can't see, and Jesus says, what do you want? And he says, I want to see. And I'll speak about that now, about being specific. But here, he leapt up and he ran to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the people called him. Cheer up, guy. He's calling you. And he leapt and responded in faith. It's interesting that God will only do and accomplish stuff in our lives in our response to the steps that we take and our faith that we exude. The Bible says, signs and wonders will go ahead of them. No. It says, signs and wonders will follow them. Meta and I have started six churches. <laughs> I, never, I never, ever had the opportunity of saying, thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for this property. Thank you for all the people that are going to be coming here. We had to take that step. Take that step of signing for that property. Take that step of putting out our banner. Taking that step of actually starting a service and actually getting a few people around us to say, yes, we're with you. Signs and wonders will follow them that believe. And that's always going to be the situation. God will only do what you step out in faith to do. And then lastly, to be specific in all your prayers. Be specific in your, in your prayers. And do not be afraid to bring a request to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things. What things? Clear cut. Specific. Specified request. Faith is the, sub, is the assurance of things hoped for. And Bartimaeus came to Jesus. What do you want, Bartimaeus? I want to see. It was clear. I want to see. When you go to the doctor, <laughs> you need to be specific. Love that story of Fandamava. He goes to the doctor and he says, Doc, I've got pains all over the place. I've got a pain on my shoulder. It's so sore. My stomach is sore. I mean, it just aches and aches. And my knee is so sore. It's aina, aina, aina. The doctor examined him. He said, Van, you've got a broken finger. Bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> You laughed more at the bad joke than at the joke. A lady went to the doctor and grumbled. I never feel really well. I don't know why. I get a sort of a pain, but I don't know exactly where. And it leaves me a kind of, I don't know what. The doctor gave her a prescription. He says, he has a prescription for I don't know what. Take it. I don't know how many times a day or for how long. It should do some good, but I don't know when. 
I, I want to say to you, when you pray, pray to be specific about the requests that you have for God. God doesn't work things out independently and about your concern. He, he wants you to be specific about stuff. And we need to realize that He is a great God. Psalm 147 and verse 5. If you remember anything, remember this verse. Great is our God, and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. J.B. Phillips, an author in the 50s and 60s, wrote a book, Your God is Too Small. It became a well-versed and well-used statement and phrase in the uh, early church. And I, I just want to, we, we've often thought our God is too small, but we've got a huge God. And we need to come to that understanding in that place where we realize that He is a monster, monster God. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, it asks the question, when God promised Abraham and Isaac a son, Abraham and Sarah a son Isaac, it said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And from that promise, God birthed this chosen nation. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. All things are possible with God. Be specific in your approach and in your prayers to the Lord. So, Bartimaeus was healed. God allowed him to see. And the Lord said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Which way did Bartimaeus go? I think Bartimaeus, now healed, restored, in a relationship with Jesus, left Jericho behind, left his cloak behind, and followed Jesus to Jerusalem. Probably was there in the crowd and watched Jesus die, witnessed his resurrection. Maybe he was part of the 120 that was there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. On the disciples, he became a follower and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you following Jesus this morning? Are you really following him? 